Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and my guest this week is Sidananda. Um, Sidananda uh, lives in the Pacific Northwest, at least at the moment, and is a student of Guru Swamiji, whom I interviewed <clears throat> last August, and uh, who uh, Sarojini, whom I've interviewed twice, is is also a student of. So she's sort of a uh, fellow student, <laughs> and. Uh, she has had some significant shifts in recent weeks, which I've listened to uh, her description of a little bit on YouTube. But we're going to start with a sort of more historical perspective and talk about um, you know, how she first became interested in spirituality and, and what she has been through over the years leading up to the present time. So welcome and thank you for, uh, for doing this. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Good. So, how did you get started? Uh, I understand, I think, some comment your guru made that, you know, you've been a seeker since your teens or early 20s or something. Well, um, you know, I had uh, many spiritual experiences since I was very young. Um, but I can't say I really started seeking until after my son was born when he was uh, probably about two years old. Mm -hmm. um, and my goodness, now to try to t trace back how long ago that was is going to be tricky here. But let's see, he's 19 now, so probably about 17 years ago when I got really serious with it. Um, and prior to that, it was, you know, I have to say, just a lot of phenomena. There was depression, anxiety, all sorts of things. And there was, you know, that ache, that longing, that was always there. But um, after he was, there was just that pull that uh, continued to always be there. And it was just, you know, I just within my heart knew that once that timing was right, that things would really get going. But, um, you know, and my uh, motivation for beginning to meditate after my son was born was uh, mostly because I didn't want to transmit all of my, you know, pain and all of my history to him, you know, so it was more just considering him. But I had no clue what I was in for. <laughs> It was just, I mean, and I just started out, I have to say, just one of those that, honestly, I didn't know what a guru was. I had never read any non-dual texts up until then. Um, I did, I mean, honestly, a Swami, none of those things, absolutely clueless and, mm -hmm. you know, or so unimaginably so. But, you know, um, so just one day it just hit me after, you know, like I say, he was about two, um, that uh, just this great impulse hit me to meditate huh. um, and it was so strong and um, and I started out in a really weird way I was very drawn to sitting in graveyards and cemeteries <laughs> so um, and uh, you know whatever that was just to sit there and to sit with what is death and just you know um, as a way to face my fears and things you know I just figured I'd go to those and I guess again it wasn't necessarily an intellectual thing it was more of a pulling um, to just really start facing those deep down darkest you know fears and um, whatever was there which I really didn't know so I would sit there for hours in these in graveyards and things and um, you know contemplate the death of the form and that kind of thing you know even in the dark I'd take walks in the cemetery and that kind of thing that was really my um, contemplation um, and then I tried to you know take it a little bit on that lighter end hopefully picking it up from there but I um, started reading you know Thich Nhat Hanh and, and for some reason I had I just 
was in a bookstore one day, and, and honestly, I had never read any non-dual text before, but I did find a book by Krishnamurti, and I um, opened up, and some of his poetry really, really struck me. I mean, it just struck me so strongly, and then that, I just sort of stayed with it. I'm one of those, okay, this sounds so good that I just kind of would stay with that one thing, but then I started doing some chants that I um, saw in Buddhist, some of the Buddhist um, books, you know, just random chants. Um, and just meditated for hours. I mean, I covered my eyes up. I, I, these things, again, were more spontaneous. It wasn't that I necessarily read all these things. But, um, and then, you know, I don't, you know, and again, I can't remember the timeline totally, but a lot of odd things started happening. Like, uh, you know, my body would start just moving and jerking and um, weird breath sounds and all sorts of odd things that I had absolutely no clue what it was. And, really really scared me of course because I was like what in the world is this and then you know my prayer was actually before was just to um, be useful for the world to actually be used for you know the benefit of humanity and again I had no idea what that meant and you know what the journey that was about to open up by you know and it was a, a very sincere prayer and desire um, so uh, you know Kundalini just wide open and I have to say it was really really frightening it was I just it bottomed me out it debilitated me honestly it was just visions voices I mean everything imaginable came forward hmm. yes <laughs> box yeah. um, so you you didn't have any formal training in meditation or anything. You just kind of winged it and and ha, you know did what sort of felt appropriate, I suppose. And uh, and as you know, of course, you're not the first to have this idea of meditating in graveyards. I mean, you know, yes. both Western and Eastern mystics and yogis and so on have contemplated death as a spiritual practice. Yes. <clears throat> hmm. Yes. And I did read that afterwards. Yeah. yeah like I said, I was very drawn to that and pulled towards. Um, going through that um, process of, you know, um, okay, the body decays, and then what's, you know, what's the layers under that, and uh, doing all of that, and I did read later that that was something that monks and yogis do, but um, it wasn't, it, honestly, it was just a pole there that, you know, was never read about or anything, and, and who knows, maybe it was a leftover from another life. I mean, I really don't have any idea what that was about, but I have to, it's very, very potent and definitely effective because things got moving, so. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, here's another example of someone like Sarojini who hadn't really been thinking about all this business and all of a sudden just felt some inspiration, and next thing that she knew, there, there was all this stuff going on and, and now you too. It, it's, it does make one think that perhaps there's some other life momentum that's been built up and you know because I don't know I haven't done any sort of scientific survey but it seems to me that the average spiritual seeker you know doesn't just sort of go like a you know out out of hell from from day one <laughs> they, they just sort of like oh I think I'll check this out they read books they do some practices and they just kind of muddle along for for years sometimes without anything really powerful happening and and you know you're another example of someone who just you know just took, seems to have taken off like a shot yes I mean and you know you do pick up where you left off you know these things carry over and mm -hmm. if that desire is there that picks up again when the conditions are right and ripe and and um, you know and that's understood now but certainly at the time it's just more like a 
a pull that you cannot resist. I mean, that's the way that I could say to put it. I mean, it wasn't even a choice necessarily. It was such a strong pull, like such a stronger current than, let's say, my regular mundane things that I was doing. It was, it pulled stronger. And so it just, I mean, I almost honestly didn't have a choice. It just sort of draws you in in that way. And, and again, being absolutely clueless what Kundalini was, I honestly, I really don't think I'd ever even read the word. Maybe in Krishnamurti, but that was later. And so, you know, to read about it, you know, I mean, to actually to have these things start happening when you're clueless is very, very frightening. And, you know, having a little boy to take care of a little child and, it just uh, it was incredibly intense. I mean, some people may have a smoother ride, but I can't. I just can't say. I can only speak to hear that it was. Uh, like I say, it was just uh, from not to say that you know some of this was churning. It was bubbling since I was a, a teenager for mm. sure. But then it just whoa! It just broke wide open. Yeah. There's actually a, a a passage about this in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna asked Lord. Lord Krishna, I mean Arjuna asked Lord Krishna, well, what happens to someone who is a yogi and is on the spiritual path, but he dies without having attained liberation? And, um, you know, Lord Krishna says, well, he, you know, he rises to the world of the pure and illustrious and lives there for a long time and then comes back and picks up the spiritual path from where he left off, basically. I mean, he said in so many words. <coughs> and, uh, you know, it, it could very well be that you know many people speak of this as being an age where uh there's a quickening of of spiritual development in the world a, a kind of a, a mass awakening it could very well be that a lot of people who you know had already reached or, or developed a great degree of uh, uh enlightenment are coming back now in order to sort of participate in in the in this time you know, it's hard to know. I mean, that all of that could be, but like I say here, I mean, this journey is very much from darkness to light, and and I have to say that if I if for some reason the soul wasn't a land of purity, wasn't there when I came you know, during this process, it was the pits of suffering, and um, that's all that one can say is you know some momentum continued. It seemed like the force, and uh, it'd be nice to know there was a break in between. But believe me, I wasn't feeling it then. Yeah. Same so you you feel like your life was um, there's a lot of suffering bef- before this. Oh yes, I mean just nonstop. And uh, with this coming on, you know, with the Kundalini, it brings up all that's repressed, that's mm-hmm. you know within one's consciousness. And um, you know, you you live on a certain. It's kind of like a tip of the iceberg, I suppose, is all you think that you, you, you know, and then that iceberg gets revealed, the whole thing, and, and to the bottom of it, and um, it's can, it's very, very overwhelming, and like I say here, I had no clue, I had no one to talk to about it, I didn't have a, a teacher, and, and I didn't know what a guru was, I just, I honestly I would read about it, but it didn't strike as something that, I, I, it just didn't, for me, I just was clueless. I mean, that's the best way that I can put it, and just sort of going about this blind, and and then whoosh, you know. So, yeah. uh, so what did you do when this uh, intense kundalini started to happen? And you, did you know what it was, or did you think you were going nuts or something? I thought it was going nuts. Yeah, you know, there was a um, a 
feeling in there that, that this was spiritual and it was a cleansing, but uh, it was just, it just floored me, you know, and um, and believe it or not, it was my mom who, uh, when I was so ill and debilitated, said, you know, maybe this is Kundalini. Oh. And, and of all things, I mean, my mom is not even one that would ever even know that. I don't know where that came from, from her, huh. you know. It's hysterical because she's never... Yeah, it really, and she always says, I was someone who brought that up first. And like, oh. <laughs> so, but, um, and then I did begin to read a little bit more about that, and it did, um, it did uh, come into line with that, you know, but, you know, it's so easy to have it be, it could be a mental illness, like I said, I went to a psychiatrist, I was put on every psychiatric medication, and it oh. just made worse, and therapist, because I was, I was really, I mean, very, very depressed and, and anxious and um, and just just trying to survive, to be honest, my, with my regular stuff. So, um, and so, you know, because the biggest thing is just was so weird. Um, like I say, the Kriyas began, but um, verbalizations. Kriyas um, meaning like body thrashing around and so on. Mudras and yeah. also speaking in tongues. Uh-huh. All yeah. of it. You know, when that just whoosh comes out and then all your fears and, you know, it's just very, very, um, when you have no clue about it, it, it really, and especially if you have a history of being, you know, having uh, some depression and trauma and things, it just brings all of that whoosh. So I have to say it was just a powerful thing. And, um, but so I kind of just went up and down and was able to get balanced here and there. And then it just kept, you know, I get go through periods where it just, I mean, I was floored by it, where I was debilitated and, um, and honestly not even barely able to take care of my regular stuff and my son and everything. Hmm. And the people I talked to about it, they say, oh, it's such a blessing. And I, I don't feel blessed right now. Okay. I feel like I'm just like that if I want to die, literally, suicidal. Yeah. I can't go on. Okay, this is too much. But you know that, like I say, um, be careful what you ask for, because mm -hmm. you know that prayer was there, and uh, and um, when that sincere heart is there. But you know, it's also a, a caution. These things are very potent. They're very real, um, and to go about it blind like that without guidance is not. I can tell you, no, don't do it. You know, go slowly and get stability. Yeah. Oh. And uh, I mean, I'm sure there are and have been instances of people going crazy, getting institutionalized, you know, being suicide, you know, committing suicide, and and so on. When this stuff happens, if they if they don't know what's going on. Yes, that's absolutely. I mean, it's in the text, uh, the spiritual text. Well, you know, it, it discusses that that people can go crazy, and um, because it just blows that that consciousness and everything that's in there just rushes out like a stream, you know, and um, things that you didn't even want to know were in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, so this just, um, just that's what was taking place. And, um, you know, I was telling people about it, and, you know, people, oh, well, maybe you have epilepsy, maybe you have this, maybe there's a, um, a demon in your house. You know, they do think they just don't believe me, you know, made me feel settled, okay? I was like, well, thanks, I'm sorry I asked. It went away feeling worse. And, you know, I saw um, healers and things, and they would just do energy work on me. I just was, I would just be so ill after that. It would just... They just, or one of them, I forget, some chant he did, and my whole body was shaking, and I, I mean, it just, you know, because you're just so sensitive to the energies, um, 
it just uh, when people are ungrounded themselves, you can really it's not a good thing. So believe me, I was desperate. I just I'm I'm you know painting it actually in a good way. It just but um. You mean it was more uh, traumatic even than you were letting on? Huh. Probably I could even express here. How long did this go on? Um, this intensely about five years before meeting Guruji. Yeah. Wow. That's a long time. So five years you're going through this. And are you married? I am not. Not now. I do have a child, yeah, uh -huh. that I, you know, by my own, by myself for the most part. So. Okay, so you, and you weren't married even when this was all going on, like you didn't have some husband that was somehow patiently having to deal with it. <laughs> oh, I mean, my son's dad was involved, and he's back and forth, and he knew I was, you know, very ill, and he helped take care of him when I could, and, and you know, but it was very traumatic for, um, you know, my son, and, uh, but, he, you know, he's, we worked this out, but, um, yeah, and, you know, really, there wasn't anyone that understood it, so most people just wanted, you know, do therapy, do... Um, yeah. You know, and those are the things I did try, but you know, it didn't help. <laughs> it's like, it just, you know, for a short period of time, I get to the point where I could work and I'd be a little more level, and and um, and then something would just break. I mean, something would start breaking through again, and different phenomena, and it just would wipe me out. Yeah. Was it at all controllable, or would it be like you'd be, you know, in the supermarket and all of a sudden you'd start, you know, jerking around and speaking in tongues or something? You know, um, thank God, it's uh, for some reason within myself when I was able to go in public, I just breathed and was, you know, able to keep that down. Although I know some people do get into that, but you know, and around my son, it didn't go on. You know, I just would breathe and, and it seemed to relax happening with him yeah um, I went to a stage of this and um, I was driving an ice cream truck this around 1970 and if whenever I got settled my body would start to jerk around and stuff and um, so like if I came to a stop sign with the ice cream truck and sat sat there for a minute I'd start to jerk yeah. <laughs> or I'd just be sitting in alone in the living room of this house where I was staying and my face would just go into these contortions and grimaces and all this weird stuff and I kind of I just finished a, a long one month meditation course and I knew what was happening so I just kind of didn't fight it and just let it go on and uh, it kind of just stabilized and integrated after a while you know after Oh, that's good. Well, that that's kriyas. I mean, that's definitely like a kriya is what you're having. Yeah. You know, um, this kind of thing here, like I say, it didn't end. And still kriyas take place, you know, so it's mm -hmm. been years. But uh, and um, but that definitely is, you know, that's a taste of what it was like. And it's good that you're able to just relax with it. <laughs> Wish I could have. <laughs> yeah, I was sort of in the context of a spiritual movement and had a teacher and everything, and so I, I kind of knew what I was going through, and it, it didn't scare me. I sort of felt like, oh, this is cool. So at least something's happening, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, some people get just you know more than what they ever imagined, which was here. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So did it? Um, w was uh, Guru Swamiji your first teacher or your only teacher? My only teacher. How did you discover her? Well, it was during um, another one of the breakdowns with, you know, just the kriyas and illness. And, um, you know, it was very thin. I mean, I was really, really a wreck. So you couldn't but, eat? Barely. Yeah. And you were physically ill? I mean, disease type yeah. ill or just? Just dry heaves, um, 
uh, and with that, the phenomena, colors, visions, speaking in tongues, kriyas, you know, that would go on 24-7. Fear, that would just wave. I mean, just, um, like I say, everything imaginable, you know, echoing voices, um, just really. I mean, you could you know, going to a therapist, they might think you're psychotic. That's the way it felt. I mean, I was definitely on the verge of feeling as if I was psychotic or something. Um, so, but with, uh, you know, again, it was in another period where there was a breakdown like that. And I, um, after my mom had mentioned Kundalini, I started doing a little bit of research on it. And I did go to the computer and just typed it in one evening. Um, and what initially popped up right away was Guru Swamiji, you know, and, and then she, her name was Ganga Karmakar. Um, and I um, went into that, and that was the first thing that came up. You know, again, strange. I didn't go looking for it or anything, you know. And... Um, went into it and again the first post I, I don't I didn't read anything but what just stood out was you know I've, I'm I've completed the Kundalini process and I'm here to help others through the journey that was it that's all I saw that was like the light and um, and I did email her and uh, just said a few things and again my emails were just ridiculous they were so desperate I could barely write it was just a couple of things I'm dying I'm seeing colors help you know it's just like you know and I didn't know if she would um, get back to me or anything like that but I did um, check the mail she got right back and and um, and her you know replies were so satisfying and so um, reassuring and, and just um, uh, obviously coming from a place you know um of a knowing and um you know uh, it was just so obvious that, you, that the heart was feeling that the head was doing i don't know what but i uh there was that connection and, and just that immediate settling and then you know we corresponded for a while and i would um let her know the symptoms and she's like be careful what you ask for and you know because that's exactly what she asked for and um and I was like, yeah, I thought about that, but, you know, it's done with what to do now. That That's truly still, you know, I can't take that away. It's there, and that's just the heart of, of how, you know, what the desire was. But, um, and then after a little bit of correspondence, you know, she, um, I don't think she was in India then, and she said, well, where do you live? Because, I, you know, I could come and see you, and I, she said, my daughter lives in Seattle on Capitol Hill, and I'm going to go there and stay. And she was in India then, you know, and I said, well, that's exactly where I live. Mm, on Capitol <laughs> Hill. Yeah, yeah. Ah, right. Exactly. I mean, so that was all just, you know, one of those things. And uh, so she came to me. It was just, you know, again, another amazing thing. So, mm, that's great. yeah. Yeah. Muhammad came to the mountain or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Exactly. And so, which was actually amazing because um, I really wasn't in a state to travel, and uh, you know, just the way that worked out. You know, she was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, of all places, her being in India, and it's like in the right exact spot where I was. So. Yeah, doesn't sound like an accident. No, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, when, when was this? Just to get a time frame. Probably up to ten years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Boy, so she's had a website and all that for a long time. Yes. Now, this was soon after she completed. It might have been about a year after. I don't know. But um, that's when she just got it started. So it was mm -hmm. very new. And, um, you know, she was, um, after she, you know, reached enlightenment, she was um, 
putting it out there just to help others because she knows how difficult this journey can be. Yeah. And, you know, she said when she read my mail, she just wanted to just help as, as you know, quickly as possible because she could just feel like, oh, my God, she knew what I was going through with it. So Yeah. So when she got to Seattle and uh, you started meeting with her, did did she do things or help you in such a way that the whole thing subsided fairly quickly or was it more like it still kept going on but at least you had somebody to hold your hand well she did um you know i met her at travelers here in seattle and um which is a tea house indian tea house here in seattle and um I was very ill at the time, so I couldn't sit up for very long and chat with her. I mean, she looked at me and she said, oh, you look like you're just, you know, from a concentration camp or something, you know. Wow. She just, um, you know, she just, I could just talk with her for a little while. But, you know, just immediately when I started talking with her, I, I just started to settle. It was like, oh, you know, because she was explaining what it was and what she went through and what the purpose of it is and what the you know, the final conclusion is and um, that it's it was worth every minute of it to her and she went through and, um, so much suffering for years and years and, you know, to hear her say that in itself just really helped, you know, me to settle down. But it did take probably about a month or so before I could start getting back to work and um, I've been able to work, you know, totally and since then and, you know, uh, things stapled out in that way. Um, but in terms of the phenomena going away, no, you know, that continued. And um, But there was more of um, much more stability, much more uh, less fear. Um, and things really begin to move. They begin to shift immediately. You know, the phenomena changed. There was um, things opened up and expanded and cleared out and, and began to grow and bloom. And um, I don't want to make it easy, though, in any way whatsoever, because it was still very, very much of a difficult journey. But there was that stability there, which um, immediately and, and, you know, helped just beyond words. I mean, honestly, I really don't know where my life would be without it. I'll, I'll be quite honest. That's, that's the shape I was in. So, um, you know, it's just been... You know, one of the best blessings that you even, you know, I can even, you can't even say, no words can say, so. There's that saying, when the student is ready, the master appears, you know. Seems to be true, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, I, to my, you know, to my understanding, it seems like there might have been two things going on. Um, one is you had that sort of intellectual reassurance, uh, and I think without that, there can be this sort of, battle going on inside which which makes the situation much worse than it you know oh, the, the, there's a sort of a friction or a conflict that that you know adds ghee to the fire you know of, of what's going on oh, um, and so she's able to kind of reassure you and settle you down on the intellectual level and then there must have also been a, a resonance in terms of you know soul to soul heart to heart consciousness to consciousness shakti to you know, kind of resonance, which must have helped to sort of balance your energies. Would you, would you agree with both those things? Oh, or? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, just that uh, the guru is in still mind and just, you know, in um, the transmission, you know, um, really, it, 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 you know, cuts through that intellect and it just goes to the heart and absolutely things, you know, um, begin to shift immediately and, um, 
And um, really, you know, there's the, the words and the pointings of the guru are one thing, but uh, the greatest gift is the transmission that comes from that one that rests in pure consciousness. And um, really, you know, there was so much confusion here. I mean, I really didn't know what the end of the journey was. I mean, that the individual self dissolves. I, honestly, I, none of that made any sense or, you know, until meeting Guruji, what the goal is, is to still the mind. Okay, I mean, you can read it, but honestly, until it's actually, you know, one begins to experience it and um, enter into the heart and the teachings and the practices, then it then it's understood, you know. But um, you know what what it's what is being pointed to. I mean, you can again read it on your own and things, but without a guru, you can get very confused. Even though the heart may be in the right place, it just gets all muddled up. So this just helped to cut through and clarify and okay, open up the space so that that path can be walked. You know, you have to walk it yourself, but that guru, you know, is. Um, is that guiding light? So mm-hmm. kind of like a, like a traffic cop who can sort of see the whole flow of the traffic, and you're kind of stuck down there among the cars. You can't quite see where you're going, but the guru can sort of see the whole road and think, "All right, well, you better go this way." And <laughs> yeah. hey, don't stop here. Don't rest here. Don't take that yoga. Don't get mad. Get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which we huh. all get in those ditches and thank God for Guru because they get you up and out of them again. Not Again, one has to walk it themselves, you know, it's not um, in the journey and to, to follow, you know, when things fall away, I mean, one has to enter into that alone. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you should say that there's sort of a juxtaposition here or a paradox because, you know, some people object to the notion of a Guru because they sort of feel like they'll be relinquishing their autonomy their you know their control their 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 own will willpower and so on um and you know just having somebody run them like a puppet uh but what you're saying is that you know it really is a do it yourself job i mean you you have to sort of walk your own road but the guru can can be a, a catalyst or a, an aid or a guide that's exactly it. Um, absolutely, they're not here. I mean, one might say to hold your hand, but honestly, that isn't it. Um, really, it's just to point the way, mm-hmm. and you can go there or not. Um, but certainly, coming under under the guidance of a guru, the mind begins to dissolve and shift by being in the presence of that one, mm-hmm. and that's the gift that a lot of um, I guess ones that have not surrendered to a guru may not get that experience, so they can have a lot of ideas about it. But surrender is letting go of those ideas. Um, and here there wasn't a choice, you know, and, and possibly I would have never came to a guru if that suffering wasn't there. And that's, the, again, the left-handed blessing of it. Of, there was so much suffering, I didn't have a choice. I would have otherwise not never sought out a guru if the mind was stable within its own mundane, you know, regular stuff that people deal with and I was able to function, it's unlikely here that I would have, I just wouldn't have gotten it. I just wouldn't have. But I got it because that suffering made me so desperate. (laughs) You know, it's just true. I I just didn't have a choice in it. And then by beginning to experience the stability that began to came and how my life was totally opened up and honestly transformed and, and on, I want to say within the first meeting with Guruji, you know, the journey's been long, 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 but um, 
and with that, you know, of course, my son's happier, and so many things flowed from there. But I really just wanted out of suffering, too, you know, at all cost. <laughs> because, um, you know, that's the other thing. If, if that wasn't there, I don't know if that desire would have really... So, you know, we get what's... Um, you know what what we're right for I guess and then I, and if one doesn't want a guru and then that's not time for that now and that's that's okay you know it's just um I do have to say without one I just uh, and honestly you're screwed <laughs> let me say that myself. yeah I mean there's some that do it they say maybe without but I mean those ones must have some guru in another time, or like, you know, like, say, with Ramana, there was Arunachala, a vision of pure consciousness that's there, that's breaking down that, because you don't, you're not going to know until it's experienced. I mean, prior to that, you might have all these thoughts and fantasies, but honest to God, until it's experienced, that's a whole nother game. That's a whole nother, um, and it just breaks you down, you know, it just breaks that mind down. It's just... And then it's like, oh, you never, you never knew it until it's experienced. Hmm. Yeah, I think someone like Ramana is the exception, and and he was living in a culture in which this this sort of knowledge was much more prevalent. Yeah. Um, you know, it was in the in the air there. Uh, you know, whereas in your case, who knew? I mean, you were going to experts, you were going to psychiatrists, and so on, and they didn't have a clue what was going on with you. So, uh, you know. <laughs> But no, <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting what you said because um, as as long as one sort of feels that one can do for oneself, then mm -hmm. there isn't the incentive to to get a guru or to get a teacher. And it's like the Gita again. At a certain point in the Gita, Arjuna was sort of he had his own opinions about you know what he was going to do and what he wasn't going to do and and so on. But at a certain point, he just kind of shifted and realized that he didn't have he didn't know what to do. And that, at that point, he submitted to Krishna. He said, "All right, I'm your disciple. Teach me, because I don't know." That's a, that's the point. Now, that's the point when you begin to be ripe for um, that teacher will come when one says, I don't know, please help me. I, I'm lost in, in this confusion, this mess, this suffering. I want out more than anything. I'll do it at all costs. I don't know help. And that was prayer. And, um, you know, really that then one can really be open to um, surrender, which means letting go of your will. And, um, you know, I know people have so much fear that uh, it's a controlling thing, and that's so, so not it. With a true guru, I, I, I'm, again, you know, there's so many uh, ones that have taken advantage out there, and that you should be aware of that, um, definitely. And there's, you know, red flags, and you know, to look for. But, um, you know, here, like I say, I mean, the main thing is, is, do you feel peace in their presence? Is there a transformation? Is there shifting? Is there settling? Is there movement? Is there growth? And, um, and here, that was um, experienced immediately, and so. Um, you know, is that when I'm living with integrity, or their words matching their their lives, and uh, um, and one and that's kind of that's a hard thing. So that can't even be described in words. But um, you know, that's what took place here. Like I say, I had no clue about it. And um, you know, you get the right guru, and the one you know, if you really want to break free to the end, then you're going to find a guru that has done that themselves. If you want to stay in phenomena and you want to do all the cities and you want the powers and that's the guru you'll find.
you know, honestly, you're going to find what you're seeking and, um, and if sincerely seeking. Yeah, uh, it's good. Those are good points. Um, I mean, in our we've had so so horrific examples in our lifetimes of of very corrupt teachers. I mean, in the Jonestown or Heaven's Gate, to take extreme examples, and it, but it's injected a sort of a a fear into the national consciousness about teachers uh, or you know powerful figures, charismatic people who you know take over their their students' lives and ruin them, uh, but. It's it's good to remind people and for people to know that you can't paint them all with the same brush, and that there are genuine teachers out there, sincere teachers, um, and it would be advantageous to associate with them if you feel so inclined. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, because people can get so disheartened and just turn their backs, so you know, on it, and um, and that does them a disservice because it is out there and. Um, you know, to keep keep your heart open in that way and not shut down, and uh, it's there. Yeah. I mean, even if if your heart is there in a sincere way, if you read a book like Raman or something, things are going to begin to open, and then things will begin to move forward, and the right circumstances will begin to emerge. So it's just having that trust and faith that doesn't mean just going blindly and you know just submitting to you know some anything anyone. It, um, that if that sincerity is there, I mean that universe is inherently intelligent. It will it will unfold. Good point. I, li I like that. The universe is inherently intelligent. Absolutely. It's, it's a it's a point that I often bring up or is brought up in these interviews. Um, it's not just sort of a flat, dumb, absolute. You know, there's there's a lively intelligence, uh, grace of God, we might say, kind of govern. You know, orchest orchestrating things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, when you okay, so you began your association with Guru Swamiji, and things began to settle down a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's let's take it. Then that, but that was ten years ago. So let's take it from there. I mean, what's been happening over the, the last ten years? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, oh, and I remember all that. It's like oh, the last ten years. Oh. You know, the highlights are the, the most significant <laughs> things. I'll see what comes forward. Um, like I say, the phenomena would continue. Um, Kriyas continued chanting and, you know, chanting in um, Sanskrit and, I mean, just songs and visions and all that. But Was it real Sanskrit or something that sounded like Sanskrit? Pardon? Sanskrit, absolutely. I mean, full Indian songs and huh. all of this. That you, you would just spontaneously come out with? Wow. A flood of it. I just oh words I had no clue about, and, and but yet they were true Sanskrit words. Huh. Um, in other languages too, that you know, uh, no, one wouldn't even say. I mean, but it's just a flood of it, and that still continues. Actually, mm -hmm. that still continues, and it's it's got its own beauty to it, you know. But one when when that's taking place, one is lost to it. You know, mostly. I mean, I would say now for sure, but prior to um, things dropping away this last time, um, it, what it does is it breaks down that that um, the mental. Um, I want to say um, any of the mental stuff. You know, that individual self. It's just wearing that away in such a mysterious, amazing way. You know. Um, 
so that's um, it's it's one it's just a wonder is all one can say. But that's that's what it has been doing for the last ten years, and you know I've been working so um, and I've worked as a hospice nurse for quite a while. But, you know, Guru uh, G was living here off and on for a while. So we would stay in touch and, you know, do satsang and raising my son. And, um, uh, you know, I'm nothing is just popping out. I'm sorry. but well, it's okay. Uh, no, you're, uh, you're, uh, if you run out of things to say, I'll have questions. Uh, so are you a hospice yeah. nurse now still? No, I'm not. I, I um, recently got carpal tunnel, so I am not working right now. So, but I was a hospice nurse for eight years. Okay. Yes, and you know, and in the meantime, fortunately, with the help of again a guru, I was able to navigate through that and and work and everything, even with all this 24/7 kundalini symptoms going on. So that's been a great blessing as well. You know, to have Guruji there, and she's one that. Um, you know, we stay in touch like daily, so it's been, it's not something that, you know, how some students may see their teachers once every, I don't know what, but, you know, we've been able to chat almost daily and stay in touch, and, um, and you know, it's it's just been a, a joy. I mean, it's been a relationship that, again, is one of those mysteries, one of those wonders, and, and um, you know, and, and it's very relaxed. I mean, we shop and, you know, have lunch, and it's just regular stuff. It's not... Um, and I guess that's not what people would think it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's sort of a personal relationship, a friendship, in, in addition to being, you know, yeah. a student-teacher thing. Exactly. I mean, there's a deep friendship as well as she is my guru, and there's that respect mm -hmm. there. That's the foremost, you know, um, thing for, for Guru Chi. She's, she's my guru, and that, you know, that there's that respect there, but there's also a a beautiful friendship that's there as well. Yeah, it's just been the blessing of my life. So, what did all this kundalini do to your sleep over the years? Uh, not so good. Well, you know, it would it sort of ebbs and flows. Where some nights it's not good, and other nights it would be really deep, and I'd just be so exhausted. Yeah, because you said twenty four seven, so it, it sort of implies that you were getting insomnia, and you know. Oh, no, it might mean just the, the dreams would continue, vivid dreams, or if one woke up, there might be kriyas or chanting, mm -hmm. um, deep states, you know, certainly all along there's very deep states that are entered that ebb and flow, and um, samadhi, or then there's mind, you know, as well, and mind gets blown up and um, exaggerated, and um, honestly, one thought can just turn into some huge blown up thing, you know, um, it just blows up everything, it's right in your face, non-stop. Give me an example of a thought becoming a blown up thing. Um, <laughs> boy, it's hard to say, you know, I have to say here what would take place is some of the thoughts would be huge and echoey, and, and let's say I had a, yeah, this now it's just coming where here there'd be maybe the thought of an apple, while all of a sudden there'd be a visions of all sorts of apples. Ah. And and then maybe the word apple is echoing in the consciousness for I don't know how long. I mean, these things just vibrate, at least. And again, I can only speak of here that there were so many visions. It was like a kaleidoscope, you know. Hmm. One thought and boo, you know. There's this uh, Sanskrit term, Ritambara Pragya, and, uh, and 
it's, a, it's considered to be a sort of a, well, literally it means that level of intellect which knows only truth, but it, it's supposed to be a state in which if you have a thought of something, then that thing manifests, or, or you know, perhaps only on the mental level, but if you have a thought of an apple, you see the apple, you could taste the apple, smell the apple, and so on. So I, wouldn't, so I wouldn't say that what you were going through was just hallucinatory. It could very well have been uh, and be uh, sort of a, you know, you're functioning at a deep level in which your thoughts manifest. Well, yeah, whatever it was. It did feel ungrounding, though. I mean, like I say, I mean, to have that constantly going on is very, um, very ungrounding. But like I say, with the practices and things that Guruji gives, with the breathing and, and the you know, some of the uh, mantras and things, it really, it helps to cut through that and start breaking it up so that one doesn't attach to it or, you know, get uh, get thrown off or follow it along. And then you're off on... Honestly, who knows, in some fantasy land so quickly and so easily. All I can say is what took place here. You know, the mind would be here, and then it would be off in, I don't know, Timbuktu somewhere. You know, that was it just that quickly, you know. So, I mean, it just, the consciousness was so fluid and so easily drifted to every, you know, dimension possible. So, you know, it wasn't by my choice. I know a lot of people, they desire some of these um experiences I have to say I never have and I never really enjoyed them I, I wish I could I mean there were more towards the end like it's some devotional the devotional um, kriyas and the devotional um, deep experiences of love and bliss are quite enjoyable mm -hmm. but you know people can get caught up in that and I could see why they're really very um, very attractive in the way of, um, you know, it, it, one's losing, feels as if you're losing yourself in it, but yet you're still not totally. There's still that sense of duality, but that love that, you know, just for a tree or a dandelion, I mean, it doesn't matter, a rock, I mean, it's just that gushing river of love and just, you know, it just, it's just flows so, so beautifully. You know that it's not coming from you. Yeah. That's, that sounds good. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but it does sound like, as you say, that, you know, there was, uh, you weren't anchored, you know, you, you're, you're just sort of flying all over the place without a proper center. Uh, Sometimes. Without a proper I, ground. Yes. I mean, like I say, with Guru, that got more stability. There was a, the stability of the practices to go to because before there wasn't. Honestly, I didn't know to follow a thought, to not, to question it. I I just didn't know. I, I think I just was, you know, helpless to being thrown around with whatever mental state came forward mm -hmm. and attaching to it and, and making it into something that it wasn't and, you know, which it wasn't anything to begin with. So just was making, you know, just layers and layers and making it worse. And, and with the practices and things to go to versus following these things and, and making, you know, getting lost in the Shakti and the creation of mind, um, one has a center point of relaxing into the heart and coming to the practices, which helps so that you don't get so caught up in that and create more and more and more and more and more endlessly. Do you want to, or can you say what sort of practices these are? Yeah, I can. Um, 
just some mantras that Guruji gives out. You know, a lot of them are on the internet for just regular, um, the general population, like the Om That I Am is one of them, that when you're looking at an object, um, one says from the heart, Om That I Am internally, which what it does is help break down that division of subject-object. I am that, you know, I am that, and I am that, and I'm that, and not just, you know, this one separate being, we are everything, and so that is one of them, that is um, such a simple, potent, effective practice, Um, and then the other is I am that I am, which one does just to access the heart center, you know, I am that I am, and just to keep the um, focus on the heart center. Um, And it it does, it breaks down any of the mental stuff that's there and and keeps one more grounded and and with a focal point versus getting so lost and, you know, in, in the phenomena or seeking phenomena. I mean, sometimes people don't know that that's not it, but it's not. I'm here to tell you. Yeah, I think it was Ramana who said that, you know, anything which can sort of come and go is is not it because yeah. it is something which always is. It's not yes. a it's not a sort of a, a an isolated temporary experience. Yes, exactly. That that's right, and people don't know that, you know, and many times they chase it and. Some chase it even when they are instructed it's not the way to go. Well, then that's their, that's their journey, and they can chase that until that comes to a dead end or until they get, you know, conked on the head enough or whatever. Um, that's, that's just, yeah, you know, chasing that really, it's just going to lead to more and more of the same, and that, that doesn't, um, that's not peace. Do you also spend time in actual eyes closed quiet meditation, or is, or is it more of these mantras that are... And something you do in activity? Well, you know, um, I don't sit like I, that was done before. You know, um, what took place more the recent um, awakening that took place, things have really shifted. Probably be good to discuss that. Um, you know, there was an initial falling away. I mean, there, it just where there was a sense of no me, and, um, and Guruji was doing some energy work here, and um, it broke down a lot of knots in there, and there was a sense that there was no me, but then the consciousness after that, what took place, it, kind of, it waved in and out where it just felt very fluid, and there were breaks of stillness and things for quite a while, like about three years, you know, and it was really a, quite a profound shift. But um, what happened, probably, gosh, it may have even, I don't even know how long ago now, maybe even three weeks, two weeks, I don't know. But, um, you know, because time just goes. I it was know. Christmas time. You're, thank you so much. It was Christmas. <laughs> how could I forget that? But <laughs> I be it was Christmas. I don't even know what day it is today, and, you know, some just that's gone. Mm-hmm. But, um yeah, I was in the bathroom, I believe, and my son was there that day, and that, that particular day, what I was feeling with him, some of the things with him is normally, and I get irritated with him. But so, this day, anyway, we were in the car, I remember, and driving, and it just, it started feeling like my body was hit, like it was the same body. 
you know, like I was him, and I was driving along, and it was such a beautiful experience, which is different sometimes for, you know, a 19-year-old, and, and he's wonderful, believe me, I enjoy him, but uh, it's more of a mom thing, but this wasn't, this was like we were both one being, and um, the day just flipped so beautifully with him, I mean, we had a wonderful time, I, I don't know if he felt it, but he lightened up, and it was just such a glorious day, and the whole day I felt when I was with him, or even um, that I was just, this, it was the same, we were the same, and um, and I have to say what a different flow that was, but that was, you know, new, and, um, and some of that was felt before, but not so substantial like that, um, and then I was in the bathroom, I mean, off and on, it just came more with more and more intensity, but I, um, I don't know, be doing regular thing, brushing my hair or whatever, but when I walked out of the bathroom, I was just slammed with this non-dual consciousness, this non-dual presence. It was undeniable. It was everything. All of a sudden, it's like I couldn't recognize myself. That's what was taking place. I couldn't recognize who I was before. It started almost like it melts into the whole whole environment or something, and all of a sudden, everything is the same. It's, it's the same, like... Um, that's just the way it was feeling off and on in waves. It's kind of like, you know, like that drop that just falls into the ocean and, and is lost. And, and you can't, I mean, how could you find it then, right? I mean, that's what it was feeling like. Um, and honestly, I have to say here, I was, I was trying to pick it up. You know, what is this? And, um, but I wasn't able to, to pick that up. I wasn't able to find who I was before. And... Um, and that just continued to flow in and out for some days. Um, and, you know, because we're our worst enemy, you know, it, it's frightening. It's kind of like, you know, it's not familiar anymore. There's there's nothing that you can find of your old self anywhere, you know. Um, it just, like, got pulled away. Just all of a sudden just dropped, and then that subject-object feeling was gone. Hmm. And there's this non-dual pure presence and um, which is, uh, you know, so incredibly beyond beautiful, you know, and, and the stillness and um, and it was like all those things I thought I was just are totally false, 100% false. And, um, and this consciousness, this non-dual presence has continued. You know, there has been still some waving because it takes a while to settle in, but it's one of those things that once it's experienced, it's known that there's just one indivisible self. I mean, it's just one, everything. There's ne never been separation. And it's um, absolutely unchanging is and the ground of, of being, which is the same for every speck of life. And, and it just, you know, it just was... I mean, it's just hard to even explain, but that's, that's the reality of it. So does it seem that, I mean, is it that everything that the senses perceive <clears throat> is seen as that non-dual presence? Well, you know, it's not about the senses because it's, it's known that one is not the body and never has been. Um, but then what is the, how is the body regarded? Or if you're, if you're eating a piece of toast, I mean, is there... Is, is it sort of that the non-dual field is is far removed from all that, or does it somehow in, 
engulf it and include it? No, I mean, what this, what happens is that I or that one you thought you were gets swallowed up with this reality. It gets mm -hmm. drowned, literally. What, who you thought you were gets annihilated mm -hmm. is the best way to put it, just destroyed, really, just swallowed in it, and you can't get away from it. But when I say you, it's known that one is not the body, but... You know, again, I mean, just as if one is talking to you now, like I'm talking to you now, the body spontaneously moves and and things happen on their own without a doer, without a um, individual in there that thinks it's doing it, which it never is, because <laughs> they're never, you know, it's just that pure consciousness and. Um, you know, it's a spontaneous flow of that. So describe your, you're sort of doing it, but, but continue to describe your subjective experience right now, if you will. You're talking to me, or, or that's the way we would say it in words, you're talking to me. Um, but what is, you know, if try, try a little bit more to explain what it is to experience life as you're experiencing it right now. Um. You know, there's probably less words that I could use now than I ever could because none of them will be it. But um, again, if, if one does need to attempt it, you know, I don't mean to use that word one. I can say I just because just that's it. But, you know, no I is there in it. But um, there's, a, there's just substance, you know, or the ground. So everything that is seen is your own, very own being but not in a separate way. I mean, it's, it'd be silly to say, okay, I'm this candle and that's what I am. That's, that's not it. It's, it's uniform. It's kind of like, um, like I say, you know, all of a sudden, um, I don't know, I guess like they say water gets lost in milk or something, you know, it just, that's who you thought you were and it just gets dissolved. And then there's just that, what remains left over, you know, which is pure being. Um, Boy, and so like I say, that subject-object divide falls, and it's known immediately that what one thought you were before, all these things that you described yourself as, you know, I'm a woman, I'm this, I'm blah, 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 blah. I mean, anyway, everyone has their own story, but I'm here to say those aren't true. <laughs> those, you, those, will, those will end, they, honestly, because it was funny because really here I thought that you know maybe a certain level had been reached I knew that thoughts were still there and that kind of thing but I believe the mantra was going on internally or something and all of a sudden that just stopped I mean dead stopped you know that personhood that individual just bam gone and it was like it was like oh shit I mean literally it was it was like your whole world is just gone and it was like that is that was never it that was never true that's totally false because why is it false because it di just dies and this body still is here you know it's not like the body dies but that's what death is is that ego and it goes you know it, it's never and it's always been one, I mean, that ego is a false covering over it. And, and as one, you know, believes in it, then they make, it's like what you believe in. They say what you believe in, you become, it's true. 
does the ego entirely go or is it that you just no longer identify with it uh, but the the ego remains a sort of a a functional tool just as the, the 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 senses are tools and the intellect is a tool and so on or does the ego really go the ego really goes so the other things remain you have an you have senses you can see hear smell taste and you have an intellect that can think and 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 so on but or that can decide and discriminate but the ego the sense of a, a personal i who's doing all these things that goes that all goes. I mean, it's not if one wants to think, you know, you can think, but um, it's not necessary. You know, um, everything is just spontaneous and, and always has been. And, you know, um, we want to think that we're special and that we're going to be the ones being enlightened or that we have some play in this, some voice in this whole thing. Um, not to say that people don't have responsibilities. I don't want to go there because that's another thing, free will. That you know, but honestly, it, you know, the truth is in realization. I mean, when this I that you thought you were, this person never truly existed, and, and never has has had any part in in what's real. You know. Um, it's just a, um, it's mist is really what it is, you know, and it's just, um, you know, just like if the wise ones say, the one that has entered realization, there's always been just one. So what is that ego? Hmm. If it's always been one, well, how could just this one person be separate from that, you know? It's an illusion. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm always sort of... Uh, well, let me just play devil's advocate a little bit to bring more out. Um, it, I mean, you would acknowledge that there's a plant in back of you, um, you know, or that there's a lamp in back of you and so on. Uh, I can't see what's in front of you, but there, you know, there, there are things. And you would probably say, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the lamp and the plant and so on are essentially, you know, that same being that you know yourself to be it's all pure presence it's all being appearing as a lamp appearing as a plant and so on but uh, am i right so far well the name and the the form of it, it there's that's just a name you know that's um that's not what it is at its essence so it's like you know um what is it at its essence it's one. It's all, everything is one. I mean, it's all the same. Right. Like, so that's what I was really saying is that it's. I use the word being, but it's all one. It's all the same. It, it's all. There's this sort of everything is that essence. So yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But on, but on a practical level, you know, mm -hmm. we we say there's a plant. There's a lamp. You know, we make dinner. There's zucchinis. There there's French fries. Whatever. You know. There. Uh, even though you know. Perhaps predominantly, we we acknowledge that oh, that's just it's all that pure essence, it's all being. But on some practical level, we we distinguish between things for the sake of being able to function, right? Um, you know, in terms of the the way the language comes out, it would come out with one that's in this pure awareness as okay, yes, yeah, like I'd say, you know, um, hand me that candle or something, but. That is just an outer, I mean, that is empty. It's not, doesn't mean that one is 
separating here from there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that helps, but um, it's just an empty, uh, you know, the name and, and words and these kinds of things are empty. So they don't have any, um, there's no attachment like, well, that is a certain thing or, or anything within there. There's nothing there. And again, I, I'm probably just modeling this up and maybe confusing people more because it's it's quite difficult to um, explain. And uh, like the, if, if it can be explained, then one is not in that pure consciousness <laughs> because it's, it's very difficult. And... Um, but, I, you know, I do want to say that things get done and it's not like one just sits around in some trance or, you know, nothing like that. I mean, spontaneously all gets done and, and you know, within flow. It's, I know it's very hard to, to understand that, that kind of thing, but um, it can only be known when it's experienced, you know. But it, please ask more because I, I really love to continue to now what you're saying is helpful um, I'm just trying to uh, make it as clear as possible you know or understand it as clearly as possible and have you explain it as clearly as possible so uh, you know I guess uh, you know the, the gist of what I've gotten from what you're saying is that uh, you know the unity is so predominant that the distinctions are they're they're very kind of like superficial attributes that uh, you know are there for the sake of being able to talk and interact with people, but they're they're really very secondary, very um, uh, superficial. That really, it's the predominant thing is this wholeness or this being or unity or essence or whatever word you want to use. Yes, exactly. And just that that's you actually that word is perfect. Where I hear. There's no distinctions in terms of, um, I can say a certain thing is myself in a separate way. And, um, you know, there's nothing that is distinct from, from me, which would be this wholeness. You know, it's not like, um, here I am and there's a book. Here I am and there's a candle. That goes, you know, that's just the best way to put it. And, you know, there's nothing to distinguish yourself from anymore because um, that's that separate being is has lost is lost within that reality, just gone, and um, that's that's all that is. And and like I say here, one can never, um, like Guruji would say, you know, you will know it when it's entered. And you know, of course, at the time I'd be well, hmm, you know, because I had no clue. And until, like I say, that happened when it just was there, I mean, just revealed itself spontaneously, this non-dual presence, then it's just known that undeniably one was never that other thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like a dream or um, an unreal dream or something is the best way to put it. And that it's, this is the truth of all beings. And um, and again, to describe it, it is very, very hard, and yet it doesn't impair regular, ordinary life, you know, friends and whatever people call ordinary life. I mean, it, it, it just totally, everything is much more, um, again, I, can't, I really hesitate to put even one word on it because I feel like that's, 
makes it into something and it's not anything, it's nothing, but yet it's totally full. Hmm. It, it seems to me it should enhance ordinary life, not impair it. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, when, like, you know, the suffering, honestly, just you just exist. You exist in this space where you think this is real. You know, the body's real and all these separate things. And, you know, this just keep plugging along this way. Honestly, you don't know until it's known. And that really, it's all you. It's all it's all your, your own very self. And it's just the most precious, you know, um, gift. I mean, I, there's nothing more precious. And that's true of, of all. You know, like I say, if I can look at someone, I don't think, okay, they're in some certain place and I'm in another place. I mean, there's no nothing that's high or low. It's like all are always been free and it's not a, you know, um, this person is only here and I'm here. You know, it's that all goes. I mean, it's just, it's amazing how the mind is the only thing that creates the world and the separation. And honestly, it creates a fantasy, a fictitious person. But if you look at that person, it's never the same. I mean, I could even say it's one individual person when it's always changing, you know. So all these things were looked at and... But, you know, honestly, it ta it's taken away by grace. It's not anything in your power that you can do to, uh, you know, attain, because there's nothing to attain. It's just pulled away, thank God. <laughs> and it's like your clothing or something that you wore that you thought was you the whole time, a certain red dress and then a green one and then, a, you know, something for your moods. And all of a sudden you just think you're this, and, and, and then that's pulled away, and the truth of who you are and who all, you know, all beings are is revealed. I don't know if this is a significant point, but this is what I was trying to get at a minute ago. Um, if, you know, everything is predominantly being, let's just use the word being, if, or we can use wholeness, I don't care what word we use, let's say being for the sake of simplicity. And uh, so, you know, when you look at the candle, it's predominantly being, it's but then, you know, on a, on a sort of a superficial level or, or kind of a, a le the level of appearance, uh, it's a candle. Um, mm -hmm. is, my, is, my verb, is my terminology correct so far? Am I making sense? Um, I just want to make sure I'm sort of in line with the way you would say it. You know, I, I just like I say, that na the name part is what doesn't... Um, but I mean, if if your son comes in the room and says, "Hey, mom, you know, uh, pass the candle," then you know what he's talking about. You don't oh, you, uh, you, you don't hand him the scissors; you hand him the candle. <laughs> the candle it would be handed to him, yes. Yeah. Uh, so there's a sort of a on, on some level or other, there's there's something, you know, the candle has some level of reality, even though it may be just the crust of the surface and predominantly it's being, but there's some recognition, okay, this is the candle, this is the table, this is the lamp, and so on. There, there's a, some recognition still of diversity, uh, without which it wouldn't be possible to function. Well, you know, mostly what it is is um, within uh, the intelligence, like we talked about, that inherent intelligence in the universe. And that's what remains, and that's what is the doer. So um, that's what reaches for the candle. 
<laughs> but that's the best way for me to put it is that um, that intelligence is there. I mean, we try to make it into our intelligence, but it's not. And um, it, that's what it, it does it. So no, it'd be like the wave saying, this is my ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> You know, you're kind of frozen up, freeze frame on your screen. Oh, uh, don't worry about it. It's okay. okay. Um, so, uh, exactly. so what I'm leading to is just just as there's sort of a okay. So it's it's that intelligence which is governing the whole universe, which moves the candle or cooks yeah. the dinner or drives the car or whatever, and that's the orientation from which you're experiencing, yes. uh, from which life is being lived. Um, but uh, just as there are um, these, you know, appearances of candles and cars and and, and plants, uh, and and with regard to our individual structure, such as it may appear to be, there are individual faculties: sight, hearing, smell, taste. Uh, it seems to me that there's some remnant of of individual of sort of identity. I mean, if if you're in a room with several people and someone calls you by name. You turn your head. They don't. Even even if it were a whole room full of people who were in this enlightened state, you know, and we called one of them by name, that one would turn the, turn the head, because there, there's still some sort of remnant, it seems, of, you know, of personality, of identity, of of you know, conditioning. Everything you've learned in your life is there. Uh, if you knew if you knew how to play a musical instrument, you'd still know how to play it. So I mean, there's there's something inherent in the individual structure which is not lost even though this sense of sort of you know constraint or uh, is lost you know yes well that's the great mystery of it you know that that continues to play out that personality and um, but you know one isn't that and it's known that you know it's just that's not who you are, but it, it just kind of like, um, I guess maybe a wave is set in motion, it continues until it totally evaporates, but that's just surface, that's not the ocean. You know, that's more what the personality, and it's, um, it's, it's like that. I mean, it's like just a playing out, that, um, and, and it's a mystery. You know, again, it's, it's um, you know, a lot of things can take place if someone's is deeply intelligence when one doesn't have even their own sight or their own hearing. You know, um, there's still an amazing amount of creativity and intelligence within that one. So, you know, it's not the senses. It's, um, mm. It just um, isn't. And um, honestly, that there comes from a deeper place, another place. And, um, you know, uh, it, that's the truth of it. But like I say, I mean, really, when, once when that mind falls, that mystery is is entered, and it's just let be. It's not try. What there's no under, need to understand. It. There's no understanding. It's beyond understanding, and and that's just what remains. So yeah. Say, one can't say why the head is turned. You know, it's just. It's again. It's one of those things. It's it's kind of like why does an apple fall from a tree? Why does a plant grow? Why does a, you know, why does the sun come up every morning? And and all of these amazing things that we think we know when when they just happen. Hmm. I guess mystery is a good word. It's it's. I don't know why this point fascinates me, but I do find it fascinating that one can sort of 
shift identity and really be the ocean. And yet, in some sense, there's still, identifi there's still identification with a particular wave. It's like we're all that, in, we're all, you know, that oceanic intelligence, and yet, you know, uh, you in Seattle are seeing certain things through your eyes. I in Iowa am seeing certain things through my eyes. Uh, you can't see through my eyes or through my cat's eyes or some, something like that. There's, there's still a sort of the, the in, the, a, a kind of a channeling or an individuation in a sense while at the same time the, pri the primary uh, identity may be unbounded or universal. Isn't it a wonder, though? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all that one can say. You know, it really is a great, great wonder and mystery how that... Um, but, you know, um, it's kind of like, you know, the birth of that body, you know, is, it comes and then there's that attachment and for whatever reason, you know, that falls away and, um, you know, that individuality, I mean, um, but the body goes on and um, it's, it is, it's, it's, an, it's a wonder and a wonder how that can even fall away and it's a wonder that the ego could even be, I mean, these things are all a great, great mystery, and um, that's all that one can say. But like I say, that it, the only thing that can truly be known is what is, is changeless and timeless and, and the true self. And, and um, that's, that's what really can be known because it's eternal, but the rest is grasped at and then it's lost, you know, so the other is not... Um, uh, lasting and and it's it's um, you know um, it it comes and goes and so like I say there's really nothing that can truly be known in in um, that type of objective knowledge you know because it does change and shift and first one thinks they got it and then they don't and then they you know add something else and um, this is the only thing that that I I have to say that truly, undoubtedly, can be be known is this this eternal self. Do you have any sense whatsoever of you know what happens when the body dies in this state, or is that also unknowable? Yes, I would say it is a mystery, and um, you know, uh, I just want to say that you know, well, this is. I, it just seems like this this moment, you know, this is 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 it, and. Um, whether the body's here or not, that's what the body never brought it about. So, you know, it's going to remain whether the body's here or not in whatever state the body's in. And, uh, you know, um, you know, there were times on the journey when I was so floored by the ego. I just, uh, uh, what it is, you know, it, how I could think that I was something or this or that. I tell you, when that's washed away, you know, it just um, is the most relief. And, and to be out of that, um, it just, again, no words can say. I mean, here there is just tears that keep flooding at the absolute joy and wonder of, of that ever even, you know, this just going as it is. And, you know... Um, when you say floored by the ego, do you mean you were sort of flabbergasted that the ego could have... Um, predominated for so long, and and you know well, that you had been so convinced by, by the, you know the the Maya, so to speak. Is that what floored you? 
Well, just at times at what it is, you know, it's sense of thinking it's something special and, mm-hmm. and different and better or worse or whatever story, you know, it'll hit you. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times when it adjusts like a punch in the gut of, oh, my God, this is really what I was thinking or caught up in. <laughs> and then, you know, it just falls and, and it just, you know, there's bumpy times like that and, you know, uh, and the ego, I tell you, you know, and again, this isn't, and when I say ego, I want to say attachment to mind and body. I'm not here to say it's, um, you know, one, one thinks they're the mind and the body. That's, that's the ego, but, you know, um, it's So that's not- how you would define ego? Is, is the, the misperception or the misapprehension that one is the mind and body? Yes, that the body is the self, the body is who and what I am, and this mind is who and what I am. That's the ego, yes. And, you know, that that's not to say, again, it's not saying that it's just, you know, someone that thinks they're great or something. That's not it. An ego is an ego, you know. It's just, yeah. That's, that's an interesting definition. I was just reading some quotes today that somebody sent me about um, someone asked the question of someone, you know, can – can gurus suffer and and so there was this whole explanation about Ramana Maharshi dying of cancer and you know screaming and moaning and then his his disciples would say oh, you know what's going on you know why are you in so so much pain he said he'd say I'm not in pain you know <laughs> I mean the body's going through this but I'm I'm far removed from that I don't take myself to be the body well, exactly, exactly, and that's the thing here. I mean, before when there was pain in the body, there's a sense of that's my arm and it's hurting or something. What can I do to get out of it? But you know, when one knows they're not the body, even if the body is going through its changes, there's no suffering. I mean, it's the mind that suffers because it attaches to that and wants to try to find a way out of it. But. Um, and again, this has only been experienced in the last, you know, like I say, you know, however long it's been, a few weeks where, you know, because there's pain, quite a bit of pain here with the body at times. but um, Because of the carpal tunnel? Yes, that, exactly. Yeah, so, so let's take that as a case in point. How has your experience of life with carpal tunnel syndrome changed in the last few weeks? Um, like I say, I mean, with with no um, with this the pure consciousness and this peace that has entered in, it's not to say that one doesn't feel that pain because it's there, but you know the folk. It's not like a it's not like a one pointed focus on it. It's just a. It, I just have to say, there's no suffering with this. Suffering is of mind. Not to say that one that won't hurt the body. You know, there's not going to be pain. I mean, certainly if someone gets a cut or. You know, it's not like you sit there and, oh, I don't feel that. It's not that way at right, all. You feel it, sure. Oh, yes. But well, well, the the hip modern Advaita question would be, well, who feels that pain? Yes. Well, you know, again, it's like I just say, it, it's just a sensation. It's more an empty sensation, you know, without uh, a person that's attaching to it with all this mental drama around it. Because when one's in a body that, you know, they're still going to, it's not like, um, there are different ones that are realized that, you know, don't have body consciousness. They might be there and they need to be fed or this kind of thing. Um, and then there's ones that are fully functional, you know, um, and that's, that's why I know people get freaked out. Oh, my God, I'm just, and I did too. I used to 
go through all of this stuff. I can't, won't be able to take care of my son. I'm, you know, will I recognize him? Is he going to have to feed me? Honestly, just stupid stuff. And it's just so invalid. And, um, you know, because the ones that do have that, I don't know if it's a Vidya Mukta, but the ones that are lost, the body consciousness, you know, where they do have their needs taken care of, then that's perfect for the devotees that are there. It's like just right for that situation. You know, everything is just right in that way. It's like the ones that are functional are meant for, you know, then it, it comes around where it's, it's that's just right for that situation. So it's just like I think if people trust and know that, you know, these things unfold and when the conditions are right in the right way and, you know, but... Um, you know, everything, I mean, it's such a radically different reality, one can't, um, those those things that used to be a big deal just doesn't go because they don't have that, any validity to them like they used to. Nothing's it's good to learn, it's good to keep trying to describe it like this, though. I think it kind of, well, it, help, it helps you develop as a teacher, Um Right, and I mean, as I understand it, you are supposed to be Guru's Swamiji's successor, mm-hmm. which which is kind of scary. I mean, she's younger than I am, and I don't have a successor, but um, <laughs> I plan to be around for a while. <laughs> but uh, I guess uh, you know she's grooming you as as someone who is best qualified among her students to be to carry on the lineage. Yes, and this was way back when I took Diksha, is, um, you know, maybe even about eight years ago. Um, and again, not anything that one seeks, not anything that one is looking for. It just came, and it was, you know, um, accepted for what it is. But, uh, you know, that's the thing. Like, um, you know, if someone's looking to be a guru or looking for that label, um, yeah, that's a whole other thing. With this, it just comes, uh, you know, unsought. Have you actually been working with students yourself? Oh, you know, with Guruji, I mean, in flow, and we have the online ashram, so just, you know, help to answer um, posts on there, or with satsang with Guruji, or whatever comes forward, and we're hoping that, you know, more and more can, but um, right now we're just, since we're an online ashram, it's a bit of a unique you know, situation where we do a lot of stuff online as much as possible. But right now, you know, Guruji, I have to say, does the 24-7 Guruness. And, um, <laughs> yes, she does. She does. He's the one that does that. So I don't want to – I probably done, you know, a grain of sand compared to her with all the sand on the beach. I mean, mm-hmm. um, so that's just the truth of it. And um, But whatever happens, you know, it will take place, and, and that's okay. So – so do you feel like the dust has really settled now for the last few weeks? I mean, is there any sort of indication that things might stir up again? Uh, you, you did mention earlier that Kriyas were still going on and, and stuff like that. Do you, do you expect that to complete? I mean, has that completely gone away for for uh, Swamiji, or does she still do that kind of stuff once in a while? Well, she said that you know it took her about five years after for that to settle down. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, you know, the Kriyas are still going. They're still flowing. There are still some thoughts that um, rise and fall at times. Um, that just, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like um, the embers or the still some embers there or something that are still fizzling out. But... Um, uh, 
and there is, you know, the chanting, there's still some of that, um, you know, this has been years, and but you know, with it now, I mean, it just is empty, and it's in its natural, spontaneous flow, it's not a hindrance or um, something that one can say is a separate, like there's some separate journey now, you know, or someone, a seeker that's looking for an end, or that's gone, and... Um, Thank God, and because um, that's been years in coming. So um, there is still some dust that's settling. And, you know, however long that plays out again, kind of like that wave thing and that personality, everything has its own playing out. And here it could be, you know, just more of the Kriyas um, just sort of having their play right now, and they'll eventually, you know, dissolve like everything else, when, who knows, and it doesn't matter at all. So, um, you know... Um, yeah, well, who can say, you know, mm-hmm. who can say, it's not anything that, uh, um, those have been ongoing for so long, it's just, I'm not quite sure why, but they're still playing out, so. But you really feel like you've crossed the threshold now, as of three weeks ago, that, yes. um, you know, there's no turning back as far as you can tell. Yes, that is exactly the way it feels. Like I say, with this non-dual, once that's known and once that's entered into, certainly if there's some thoughts still in place, then there is that possibility. I mean, it that you know, it's like a seed that could bloom again and cover over, include the that pure being. You know, that's why um, you know the main thing is just to really relax and abide in that self without you know, moving away from it, and the more the more and more that gets uh, relaxed into and settled into them, the, the thoughts continue to fizzle out. But, you know, um, with some it just blows out, and with others it, it takes some time to settle in. I mean, even in the writing, the scriptures, it says that it does take a while to totally settle into. But it's just a matter of, you know, really just... Um, relaxing into it and just you know and that does take it's just such a starkly new reality you know and and that you know um so it's taking it'll take some time but it definitely the threshold was crossed over and, and it's totally like seeing that you know um that is known that non-dual presence that's that's what's the reality that's what's what remains it's interesting that you use the word known because, um, as someone put it, you know, you can, something that you experience, you can lose the experience because experiences, by definition, come and go. But once you know something, it's hard to unknow it, um, you know? And, yeah. and the sense in which you're using the word known is it's not like, you know, something that you knew when you were studying a course in high school that you may forget. It's, it's a deeper kind of knowing. Oh. that, uh, you know, can't really be unknown. It, that's, that's perfectly put, where it's just one of those things that once it's, um, once it's entered, it, it's just, it's beyond doubt, and, and that's all that one can say, and, um, you know, that, that this is, this is, this is who, truly who and what you are without a mental dialogue there. It's, it's just a, a um, I guess knowing is being. You know, one actually becomes that. What you know, uh, when all that tarnish is removed, that's what remains, and that's just known, undoubtedly. You know, that's that's the truth, and um, not just as an you know when that individual self goes, and that's that's the reality that's always been present and is true for all beings. 
So um, it is. It's it's known. It's the best way to put it because you're right. I mean, experiences do come and go um, because then there's someone experiencing it. You know, there's a separate one experiencing it, and that's that's an entirely different thing. Yeah, and even if there weren't, I mean, there might be a, a spiritual experience one could have, like, I don't know, seeing auras or angels or something like that. But, you know, that's something which is in the temporal field. And it's, you know, it may be happening now, it might not be happening tomorrow. But, but the sort of the substratum of all that, this, this essence or being or presence or whatever you want to call it, you know, that, that has a sort of a, an ongoing, eternal, stable quality to it. Exactly, exactly, which is so different than anything you've ever experienced before. That's the thing. I mean, it just, once that that movement of mind is going, 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 and once it just gets, you know, just dissolved, just bam, like that, and it's just, that's what remains, and it can't not be. Uh, that's what's there under all that, for all. So, um you know, that's all that one can say, just speaking from the, the you know, want to say the experience of the no experience here when that fell away. Um, and it was, un it's not like you can't seek it because you, you honestly don't know. It's not even in your awareness necessarily that, you know, um, that's what, that's what the, the true reality is. It just, all of a sudden, it just is there. And one can't get away from it, one can't deny it, one can't, you know, it's all that's seen um, within, there's no within, no without, you know, or if you want to say it's within and without, or there's, you know, both of those go, and so that's, you know, that's it, <laughs> I don't know, you know. Well, you can't seek it, but in fact, that's what you had been seeking all this time. It's the paradox, isn't it? Yeah. That's the paradox. Yes, there is a journey, and one does need to make efforts, but it's not by your own doing that it's revealed. It's revealed by grace when all that doership and all that seeking dissolves. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, there's the, in there are a lot of teachers these days who just say stop seeking, give up the search, and then you'll 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 be there. But I think there's a time and place for that, and it can be that advice can be very premature for many people. Um, exactly. You know. Exactly, exactly, because there are efforts that need to be made. Otherwise, honestly, you know, those vasanas, those tendencies, the um, all of that is so potent, so strong, such a pull that one needs, you know, another stronger force to pull it away, which would be practices or, you know, the guru. And what do they say? That's what makes the elephant ego tremble and fall to its knees. It needs another, you know, um, one that rests in that pure consciousness. And that's, like I say, that that mind is a tiger and it's it's a big thing it just whirls and goes and and honestly when you think you're out of it you're not most of the time and you know you think you got it and you don't and, and on it it's just it's it's quite a quite a monster and um the best way to put it here but um you know so it needs something to make it drop to its knees and tremble and mm -hmm. and, and you know like the saying goes it takes a thorn to remove a thorn so I mean, ultimately, practices and techniques and all this may be absurd from the level of having gone beyond the need for them, but until that 
level has been reached, they're not absurd. They're very relevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Like I, and, again, I can only say here that if those practices weren't there and, and the pure consciousness, the transmission, really for here, I have to say the transmission was the the practices, yes, absolutely needed because, you know, in your regular daily, day-to-day stuff, that's needed. But um, the transmission was... Um, that's what cuts through anything that you know, any doership, any um, anything. Even the practices eventually need to go because they're they're within doership. So you know, but that transmission cuts through any of that. It just you know, all of a sudden you just be walking and you know, like I say, with your G or something. All of a sudden, you know, you're thinking, thinking, and all this stuff, and then boom, the mind still when you walk into your presence, it's like. Okay, this is different, and like I say, it's just until that's experienced, and it's like, okay, now you can see where you're going towards, and, and that's where, you know, it's really the transmission is the biggest, and it can come at the most damnedest times you have no idea when, and where the mind can drop it. I mean, you could be doing anything, literally. Like I say here, some time, a few times it was on the toilet, you know, on the phone, just... So the the transmission you're you're referring specifically to you know for, with Guruji the, the transmission, but are you suggesting that that can also be uh, long distance? There doesn't need to be the physical proximity for the transition transmission to take place. Absolutely, and you know here it was um, just when that heart opens up with Guruji. Certainly, this wasn't at first. This took a while, but when the heart opens, the transmission was felt with. You know, bhajans that or um, reading a book. I mean, some very, you know, I've had some odd kriyas with just reading books. Like the book would go right to the top of the head, and <laughs> just that was the way it was absorbed, apparently. But <laughs> so it's like, okay, I was, I did set out to read this thing. Now it's sitting on my head. Okay, <laughs> I couldn't, you know, not have it be. And all of a sudden, with it on the head, like Ramana's book, I just samadhi. It's just the most blissful. <laughs> Way better than reading the words. So again, the experience is much more um, worthwhile. And um, so, it, yes, transmission. And uh, once that heart opens, like I say, it can be felt with certain books or um, you know anything spiritual um, can can start entering in that way because if one is begins to the mind begins to bend towards that as it becomes more. Oh, so you're not you're 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 saying that the transmission is not necessarily exclusively with your guru. <clears throat> you're saying that the transmission can be from being itself or something. The, the, well, yes. Oh, sure. I'm sure I yeah. feel bliss by looking at so. But like I say, with here for you, yeah. The, of the guru was the guru is the one that set that in motion, and right. then life begins to be opened up to and these things begin to enter in. I mean, it wouldn't have taken place. And again, I can speak up here without the Guru. That is the one that brought that, you set that in motion and then um, these things begin to enter in and they're felt and vibrated in the heart. I mean, just even like a tree or something that maybe would not have been, you know, felt that way before. It felt more, it would have felt more like a solid separate thing, but it starts really begin to vibrating within yourself and such beauty, you know. Um, so, um, and I, again, I can just speak from here when that heart opened and even different books that were read or, you know, that were in line with ones from the path or, um, you know, not even that, just looking at a tree or whatever, these things really begin to 
resonate in the heart and bring bliss and beauty and um, because it takes place because there's nothing separate from milk and that's mm -hmm. when these barriers break down and these things begin to enter in and pretty soon they fall away and well that is your being that's mm -hmm. why because you're never separate from it you know and uh, it's just such a beautiful thing it's just so rich and so absolutely mysterious and um you know, again, the, the, I just—I can't even speak about it in words. Hardly that that would even Do justice, touch it. Yeah. yeah. Justice, yes. So, are you indicating that um, as as a result of or since this uh, shift that took place a few weeks ago, there's been more of a blossoming of blossoming of the heart now? Is that what you're saying? Um, it seems like that that you know that has always been there, but it, you know when you feel one feels one knows it's your own being, it, it is more of a um, it, there's just no separation from it, you know. Yes, I mean it can, it can get more beautiful than that. There's no way, and it's all hard, man. It's, I mean, that's what pure consciousness is: is hard. It's. I was just wondering whether you found yourself becoming more devotional or something since this shift. You know, there were some, it was interesting that you mentioned that because there were a few days and it's been probably about three or four days of, um, and again, it was felt to be empty, but just, you know, a lot of, uh, some more devotional kriyas I was telling Guruji too and sobbing and, you know, how you feel when those, that devotee has just lost themselves and what they are devoted to, you know, that falls away and, um. It just, it's unreal. I just, yeah, I hadn't experienced that before, but everything that I read about it, it is true. Now I have, you know, that bliss and that absolute, uh, it's just, you know, beyond words, um, bliss and beauty is just, brings one to tears, you know? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I have a suspicion that perhaps, uh, you know, ripening of, of more and more and more profound degrees of devotion will, will characterize your, your path in, in the coming years. But uh, I'm, I'm not really speaking from any sort of profound philosophical in, you know, or spiritual insight. I'm just sort of, I just have a hunch that um, that might be what happens. But we'll see, huh? We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, we've been going on for almost two hours. I suppose we, we ought to wrap it up. Um, hours? I think so, yeah. I got uh, okay. Just Jeez. about. Is there anything that um, you'd like to say by way of conclusion? Uh, that Perhaps anything we haven't covered or you know anything whatsoever? Um, you know, I really just want to encourage people to continue. I mean, no matter what the experience, no matter how beautiful, no matter how attractive, or no matter how horrid, um, you know, just keep going if the, if the heart is there to be free, because truly that's your right, your birthright. This is everything they, that you've read and all that is true. That you know, you that's your birthright to have freedom, and and it's there when all of this this other stuff you think you are falls away, and um, to not be afraid to open up to gurus and teachers and. Um, I'm not advocating one over the other, but certainly, you know, beware of the ones that are, you know, um, it's not sincere and take advantage. That's that's another deal. But, you know, uh, keep going, please. I mean, I just, you know, again, when one enters this, they just, it's their their whole world, too. If there isn't, 
there's no world left, but what it is is to see others come to freedom, those ones that are sincere, and uh, it doesn't, you know, in whatever way, and to just say, yes, it is there. All that, that one's read about, I just want to encourage that, so... Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, I just I received an email from a guy recently who said that he's a very spiritual seeker, you know, and ardent seeker and everything, obviously. But he said his life has just been hell, and and uh, he's been living in hell for so long. And I said, well, you know, all, this, all things must pass, and uh, you you know, if you you just have to persevere, and a time will come when that's not your experience anymore. And but you know, you can't be, you know, just don't give up, like you're saying. That's all you can say, and you know when you're. If you start opening up, then these things unfold. They will, you know, your next step will come. And even though you don't in your head think so, it's there. It really is. It's it's beneath you. It's it's the substratum of who you are. It's pure intelligence, and it's it's wanting to move. Its nature is to move one towards the center of your being. And if you can follow it and to um, trust it and work in harmony with it, that's what will eventually happen and it's for every sincere one, for sure. Yeah. I was listening to Byron Katie the other day, and, and she, said, she was saying it's a friendly universe. And, you know, that might seem strange to someone who is going through all kinds of terrible stuff. But I think what she was saying is what you're saying is that there is this sort of guiding intelligence that Absolutely. underlies or you know, supports everything. And, uh, you know, sometimes the mother is washing the child and the child is feeling discomfort and squirming and screaming and doesn't want it to happen. But the child's going to come out better for it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's not what you want. You know, you're going to get what you need, and that's an entirely different thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what you get is what's best for you and your progress, which is not always what you want. Yeah. But, but um, like, well, like the Rolling Stones sang. Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, thank goodness it ends up being at the time you didn't know it, but once it turns that corner, you're like, thank God, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good note to end on. It's a word of encouragement for people to just, um, you know, carry on. And, uh, you know, everyone has their own path, and some might seem quick and some might seem slow, but you, you never know. You never know when the final kind of cloud is going to end I mean, or, or dissipate. Yeah. Could be tomorrow. Yes, could be your next breath. Abs mm -hmm. perfectly put, yes. Mm. So. Good. Well, thanks. So uh, this well. has been good. We'll, we'll do it again sometime. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. So uh, I've been speaking with Siddhananda um, on episode number 55, I believe, of Buddha at the Gas Pump. Uh, there are, there's a new one of these interviews every week, and so if you go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P, you'll see them all archived and new ones will come along. Uh, and I, I'm going to be putting a sign-up thing on there so people can sign up to be notified by email of, of new ones. But if, in the meanwhile, before that, if you just want to email me at rick at, at batgap.com, I'll put you on an email list. So thank you, Sidnanda. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Namaste. Namaste.